G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, we like to keep up to date with what's happening on the political agenda as things are beginning to unfold for the week ahead. Always such a pleasure to welcome Martin Isles, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin, a special welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. Good to be back again. Martin, it is a huge week ahead politically and uh, could be, we might say, over the next two weeks, uh, two weeks sitting in the federal parliament before Christmas. Uh, But the big one that everyone's eyes will be focused on will be what the government is likely to do with religious freedom issues. Uh, How do things look so far as this uh, religious freedom bill is, uh, is presenting? Well, that's the million-dollar question, Neil. Um, So we've got two weeks before Christmas. The Attorney-General has made a public commitment several times that the government will uh, have its religious discrimination bill uh, introduced into the Parliament before the end of the year, so that gives him exactly two weeks uh, to do so. Um, It's it's probably going to be next week, so they're really going to take it down to the wire and get it into the Parliament probably at this stage next week is the latest intelligence. On that, Uh, but as many people will know, a first draft of that bill was released some months ago uh, just for public comment and for people like uh, Christian groups and churches and uh, individuals to to, to make comment on it and say what they thought about it. And and at the time, there was a little bit of disappointment uh, from us, and indeed, uh, that's been the the feeling from uh, all the faith groups that we engage with, uh, which is that, well, you know, there were some problems with the bill. Um, uh, none of us are, are big fans of discrimination laws. Uh, that's not our preferred way to do this. We'd love a religious freedom law rather than a discrimination law. So there's that problem to start with, is that this isn't our preferred approach. But the government had effectively uh, promised some, uh, what I'll call bonuses, to go into the bill that would make it worthwhile or that would make it very interesting or, or really genuinely beneficial uh, to people of faith. And those bonuses were firstly... Uh, what I call the Israel Folau Clause, a clause in there that stops employers from limiting the way their employees can speak about their religion. So Israel Folau Clause. Second one was the Archbishop Julian Porteous Clause, so a clause that stops your uh, Christian teaching or your Christian conversation or your Christian beliefs from breaching anti-discrimination laws around the country. That's also pretty good. Two great things for ordinary, everyday Australian Christians who want to express their beliefs. Um, another one was uh, a conscience section, so that would allow uh, health professionals like doctors, nurses, midwives, pharmacists, etc., some degree of uh, ability to conscientiously object from providing certain treatments, or when you think of abortions and things like that are the most obvious ones, or or perhaps even if a pharmacist wants, somebody wants a a prescription for transgender hormones and the pharmacist has a colleague who can do that prescription instead, you know, there's a, a legal provision that allows them to say, well, I've got a colleague here who'll do that. You know, um, uh, just a, a basic level of conscientious objection ability for health professionals. And the fourth one that interested me, the last one that interested me, was the um, a section there that allowed Christian uh, schools, charities and religious bodies uh, to effectively act according to their beliefs 
to have Christian principals within their schools, within their charities, etc., to hire and fire Christians, uh, to make sure their ethos is upheld, a, a basic degree of, you know, associational freedom. Uh, and it said basically that, uh, you know, faith-based groups could, could act in accordance with their beliefs, and that wouldn't be discrimination, it wouldn't be illegal. So four great things there, and we thought, wow, this is fantastic, four four things that can really make us support the bill because they address real issues in the Australian community, which we're seeing all the time now. And unfortunately, the drafting of the bill was such that those four bonus features, if you like, were pretty ineffective, pretty weak, uh, and weren't probably going to work in practice. Uh, So we came out and said, not good enough. And uh, look, we've made so many representations to the government, to backbenchers, to uh, the Attorney General, to the Prime Minister, to... You know, it's been a, a really open process. Um, it's been, uh, we've had many fantastic opportunities to make our voice heard throughout the parliament and to uh, MPs from all sides. And now we await this second version of the bill coming in next week. And we sort of are all eyes on what's going to happen. Um, we're a little apprehensive, I have to say. But, uh, you know, with all things are possible. Martin, that apprehension is certainly not unfounded. From what I understand, the Attorney-General is happy if everyone else is not happy. Uh, the idea that uh, <laughs> if, if no one's happy on the Christian side and no one's happy on the LGBT side, then he's done his job. Is that a, is that a good enough position to be? I mean, I, I think these sorts of things are so, so important as we talk about Christian ethics, Christian faith and uh, the religious freedom for uh, all Australians. Uh, I wonder whether you think that's good enough. Look, I, I don't. I don't agree with him on that for an important reason. If if Christians were saying it doesn't go far enough, and LGBT groups were saying it goes too far, um, if that's if it was as simple as that, I might understand what he's trying to say, which is well, we're not going to please everybody. But that's not the situation. The situation is that the bill is badly drafted and the provisions that it, the, the, the protections that it pretends to give, it doesn't give. So it's a, it's a faulty bill in my view. It's not a bill that has some good protections that just aren't quite, you know, the cherry on top that we wanted. Uh, so he's mischaracterized what's going on there. Um, and in any event, um, that's a very political answer basically because if you go out to the media, it's a very politically, um, convenient thing to say, which is, well, we must have struck the right balance because nobody's happy. So it's a good spot for him to land politically. But, hey, the question I ask is, are there real issues in the community? There are. We've got, you know, dozens and dozens of cases uh, of the Falau type, of the Porteous type, of Christian um, charities and educational institutions and so on uh, and, uh, that really need to be resolved. These things are happening in the community more and more. These protections are necessary these protections are supposed to be adapted to solve those problems that's the question for me not the politics of who's happy who's not happy the question is what's the issue can we solve it and if the bill doesn't solve the issue well it's not good enough I note that one prominent lawyer, Mark Fowler, he's outlined a issue in the Weekend Australian about how the religious group discrimination bill arguably requires judges to make religious interpretations because this is likely to be what happens, isn't it? Because as soon as these new laws are tested in the courts, uh, it'll be up to the judge to say whether or not uh, that's a legitimate Christian belief or that's a legitimate claim. What are your thoughts about the role that judges are going to play in the coming times? Well, I think that's a real concern. Uh, What I keep saying to politicians and those who are involved in the drafting of this bill is either Parliament is going to decide 
what what is a Christian, valid Christian belief or not, or the judges will. So if they don't write it down in the law, the judges will, will pick, and then we'll get all these kind of uh, situations where judges effectively are trying to judge whether or not a particular position held by somebody is in fact a Christian position or is in fact a religious position or is, and they'll get involved in doctrine and they'll start reading the Bible and trying to exegete it and try and once as soon as judges do that it's a disaster as you can imagine you know they say things like well you know there's many interpretations of the Bible and, you know some of it is very LGBT inclusive and some of it's very exclusive so we don't think that there's a Christian position on this and you wind up on this theological excursion that, 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 that's a disaster and so Mark's concerns are, are very valid the bill needs to have drafting that's very clear that says look if somebody asserts that they have a religious belief and that assertion is made in good faith uh, they're not hiding behind it to some artificial belief to try and um, you know hurt somebody else. If it's not malicious, uh, if it's not if it's not just fictitious and made up, you know, just some basic standards like that to say if that belief is held in good faith, judges have no business deciding the theological validity of it. They just have to accept it and say no, this is very sincere. This person's for real. They really believe it. Uh, so Mark raises that issue. There's a, there's a few others as well. Uh, there's a question about, you know, what is religious activity? Um, is an Instagram post religious activity? Is a conversation over the water cooler at work religious activity? You know, there's a big question. Is it? I don't know. Judges might decide that it's not. So the parliament has to decide that it is. Um, and uh, we, want the, we want the drafting to be much more specific in those issues and spell it out and say if somebody does something that's consistent with their religious convictions and those religious convictions are held in good faith and they're not made up, that's good enough. Um, and that's as it should be, because judges are not theologians. We certainly are in for something of a rocky road ahead. Uh, that's a little prediction, I think, for next year, 2020, because while a lot of our conversations over the past year or two, Martin, have been around faith-based schools, of course, uh, it's more recent times that it's really come to light that the breadth, uh, the depth and breadth of where these uh, laws will have most effect because now it's uh, faith-based hospitals, it's aged care facilities. Really, it's every employment, it's every workplace. Uh, this is very significant, and perhaps we haven't. Even, we've only been scratching the surface, but scratching the surface, no doubt, in important issues. But really, the depth of this and how it will affect Australian society is is yet to be seen, and uh, it'll be a rocky path while we find out how that is going to have that effect. Yeah, it will. And, uh, you know, really this bill will go a long way to determining whether or not Christianity will be tolerated in Australia in the future. It's, it's that simple. We're not asking for special privileges. Uh, we're not asking to be the dominant voice or group. We're simply asking to be tolerated. And what that looks like is us saying, listen, many of us really want to witness to the truth of our beliefs and talk about them and share them. Can we please do that? Uh, look, there's actually um, institutions that we've set up as Christians to uh, serve our people and to serve others and the broader community in a in a convictionally Christian way, like aged care homes, like hospitals, like schools, uh, like um, charities. Uh, there's heaps of them. Can we please allow them to remain Christian? Can we be tolerated as Christian groups? That's that's all we're asking. Uh, <laughs> it's it's that simple. And 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 when you hear that, you think, my goodness. What has happened to, to Australian society over the last few decades that we find ourselves in a position where the Christians are asking to please be tolerated and we're not making a, an, as much headway as you might imagine in that request? Um, this is the nature of the change we see. 
if this bill isn't strong, if this bill doesn't set down the legal precedent to say, yes, you must tolerate the Christians, then you're right, Neil. Uh, We are in for a very rocky road because I think that the lawsuits will come regardless, but we will have no legal backing to protect us when those lawsuits come. Um, So this moment is a crucial moment, and I think it will be looked on uh, over the next decade or two decades as a defining moment uh, in um, the issue of religious freedom in this country. So you're thinking at this point, Martin, that legislation may find its way into the federal parliament not this week but next week. And uh, is there time then for that to go to the Senate? Uh, And I guess this will be something that could uh, overflow into the new year. What are your thoughts about the timing on how all of these things will work? In all likelihood, it will overflow into the new year. So I doubt it'll be a done deal this year. Um, What could actually happen is that uh, it'll pass the House, it'll go into the Senate, or it may even start in the Senate. Uh, And what could happen at that point is it actually gets kicked off into another committee. Uh, Effectively, what that does is all of the politicians in the Senate say, all right, we've got a new bill here. We haven't really looked at the details of it. We're not sure if we support it. We're a bit suspicious of it. We're going to throw it off into a committee and we're going to get the public to give more feedback on it. We're going to have a think. Uh, So... That's possibly what's about to happen. Again, it'll be the second time. It happened with the first draft. It'll happen with the second draft. So the reason I raise that is because that will be another opportunity, a key opportunity for all the Christians out there who might be listening to this and who have concerns around this issue to make their voice heard once again and to apply pressure. And groups like us will release talking points so that people can email their MPs or email the committee and get in touch with the committee and say, here's the things that we need to see fixed in this bill. So there could be a crucial opportunity. In fact, in all likelihood, there will be a crucial opportunity to act uh, over Christmas and into the new year, and the Parliament will consider it again and maybe pass a bill of some kind, whatever it ends up being, in February. Well, we'll do our best keeping listeners up to date with how those things do begin to change and how they shape beyond this parliamentary sitting. Uh, Let's touch on another issue or two, maybe just briefly, Martin. Uh, Just cast our eyes to Western Australia for a few moments where there's apparently uh, quite a significant push in the press against the Christian position, uh, which is a pro-life position. I'm just talking about pro-life uh, Liberal MP Nick Goyran, who's been accused of using delaying tactics over the voluntary assisted dying laws. And the criticism's not coming from people outside his party, the criticism's coming from within. Uh, what are your thoughts about what's going on in WA? Well, WA's introduced this euthanasia legislation, and um, the problem with it is that, I mean, one of the things they argue with euthanasia legislation is, look, uh, you need so many safeguards to make it safe. Now, I don't believe it can be made safe. International experience tells us that, but people will say, look, even those who who are euthanasia advocates usually say, you know, lots and lots of safeguards, you know, we'll make this okay, don't worry, everybody, nothing to see here, it's very, very safe. Whereas the West Australian bill uh, that's about to pass the upper house, we assume, has very few safeguards. It's what makes it internationally unique. Uh, There's a few major issues. For example... Two doctors can sign off to have somebody euthanized, and they can be colleagues. They can be in the same medical clinic. And you say, what's the problem with that? Well, overseas, we actually see the rise of death clinics, places where people go to die, and doctors will sign off, and it'll become an industry, a money-making industry, uh, because these doctors don't have to be professionally separated or at arm's length. They can just be in the same establishment. So it's very serious, and Nick Goyrand's identified a whole bunch of these problems that he's fixing. He's shoved through all these amendments. He's put stacks and stacks of them into the upper house, 
Uh, and what that means is that the bill might not pass for some time and there's therefore some administrative issues that have been created by that. Uh, and everybody's turning around and saying, well, you know, mate, you've got to stop this because the people just want the law, the polls say so, etc. just let it go through. But Nick Coyran, I think, rightly uh, turns around and says, well, the upper house of the House of Review, I'm an MP in the upper house, I'm telling you now that we're reviewing this legislation and it clearly isn't good enough, so I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't addressing these serious issues. Now, he's under pressure from within his party, he's under pressure from the media, those front page in the West Australians, you know, RIP democracy, government MP holds, you know, to ransom and all that. But I say hat tip to Nick Goyrant because uh, he's uh, the only cop on the beat, it seems, in the West at the moment, and he's doing his job. And even his own team is against him, uh, where the WA Liberal leader, Liza Harvey, uh, is saying all they need is clean air before the next election and uh, got to get this out of the way. So politics before human life in this sense, and that's got to be disturbing for all of us. Oh, definitely. But uh, I think even in the religious freedom discussion, we saw the political aspect of these issues where, oh, well, if nobody's happy, then it must be a good thing. Here in Western Australia, they're saying, look, just clear the decks for the election. Unfortunately, our politicians really are primarily concerned most of the time about politics uh, before principle. And I think it's refreshing to see Nick Boyran, who's actually concerned a little more about principle than politics, because this is costing him um, in terms of his reputation. But it's the right thing to do. So he's doing it. In South Australia, there's another issue, uh, principle versus politics, and uh, there's uh, a major move there, it appears, in the media as well, that uh, uh, criticising cross-party Christian and Catholic opposition to radical reforms. Uh, that's an interesting one too, because there are people who hold a Christian position on both sides in South Australia, and the media doesn't like that. Well, that's right. I mean, this is about the prostitution legislation. They were going to decriminalise prostitution in South Australia, and there was a spectacular and unexpected defeat of that bill, courtesy of uh, groups like ACL getting involved and running a a very, very serious campaign uh, against it, and that was successful. But, of course, what the press have picked up is that the reason it was ultimately blocked is because there was a whole bunch of Christians um, from the Labor Party who crossed the floor and voted against it. Um, and uh, they were also joined by a number of uh, conservative Christian types in the Liberal Party, and that just got them over the line. And the media is quite upset about that, that there would be uh, Christians, including the opposition leader, who's a, a Labor opposition leader and is himself, I think, uh, uh, got, got, got some kind of Christian background and, and, and voted against the bill. Um, so uh, they're very upset about that. But I always say, listen, who do the media think that the public are? Um, you know, just because there's Christians in the parliament, do they not realise that there's a huge number of Christians in the community? And so the Christians in the parliament are merely representative of the community at large. And even if you don't take the 51% who identify themselves as Christian on the, on, on, uh, on the census, uh, you still have 1.7, 1.8 million weekly churchgoers in this country. So you would have a significant minority of people in the parliament who are Christian people if they're reflective of society. So you know, it's one of those things. They're, they're upset about Christians. They don't like the Christian voice in the parliament. But I think they're out of touch with what uh, the realities of our country are at the moment. 
Well, Martin Isles, so good getting your insights. And uh, we've run out of time and there's still a load of issues we could talk about. Uh, we'll pick up on some of those on another day. But I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with listeners today, enlarging our understanding of what it is, uh, what's happening around the country and what it is to have a Christian position on these political issues that we are facing. Martin Isles is the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Uh, the ACL website, acl.org.au. That's acl.org.au. You'll find it's a great place of resourcing and understanding the things that are going on in the nation. Martin, thanks so much for joining us once again today on 2020. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.